Hello and welcome to the Deep Overstock Fiction Podcast. These, well, this is a special series celebrating uh, the release of Deep Overstock Issue 20, Childhood. Uh, we're looking at stories about childhood, stories set in childhood, lots of different takes on it. Uh, today we are reading three poems by Valerie Hunter. Uh, a Long Day Waiting, Never Ever, or An Alarming Gap in Memory, and Turkey Cutlet Night. Three poems by Valerie Hunter. And I have today with me, joining again, is Nicholas Yandel, poet, author, composer, longtime friend, and great contributor to and all-around support and part of Deep Overstock. So, uh, Nick, thank you very much for coming on today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here again. Lots of fun. Get oh, to, yes. You know, get to chat, get to dig in into this poetry, these stories. Can't wait. These are all fairly relatable experiences for childhood. There's experiences mm. that you really only, you know, that um, that you don't necessarily, wouldn't really experience, particularly the first and last, you wouldn't really experience these things this way unless you were a child. Like, you're not going to experience the... the uh, the way the the food and the tooth thing as much. The middle one too, though. The middle one's like there's a lot of questions about the middle one. So, <laughs> but I think that's what I think that's what I think that's it's great and that way too because it's it 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 leaves uh, it leaves a lot of um, there's a lot of sort of mystery behind aspects of this. So I mean I have my theories of course, but we'll go into that. So, <laughs> so but yeah no it's 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 a great set. Um, as I said, I think it's 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 like right on with that with the theme for this i mean it's a yeah. perfect they're perfect examples of of poetry that captures these stages of childhood or these experiences of childhood so well let's look at these uh, experiences of childhood and i really i want to see these theories you have going on nick we'll, we'll look at those in just a minute uh let's now listen to a, a long day waiting never ever or an alarming gap in memory and turkey cutlet night by valerie hunter a long day waiting. Matthew awakes to a strange gap in his mouth, can still taste the blood, but can't find the tooth no matter how many times his tongue circles the landscape of his mouth. The tooth has been loose for days, wiggling and wobbling, but Matthew didn't dare say anything because his dad always talks about tying loose teeth to a doorknob and Matthew can never tell if he's joking, never wants to find out. But a door extraction would surely be preferable to what's actually happened. He explores his mouth one more time, frantically checks his pillow and all over the bed, but the tooth is nowhere, and he knows he must have swallowed it. All he can hear is Malcolm at school telling about his cousin who swallowed a tooth and then died because it gnawed up his insides. Maybe it's not too late. Maybe if Matthew goes to the hospital right now, they can slice him open and capture the tooth before it causes irreparable damage. But Matthew's mom always complains that doctors are so expensive, and though Matthew is pretty sure she'll consider saving his life worth the expense, he doesn't want to be the cause of her disappointment and debt. Maybe it's not true. Maybe Malcolm lied or misunderstood, Maybe if Matthew tells his parents that he swallowed a tooth and is in imminent danger, they'll just laugh in that way that always prickles his skin, call him silly and naive, call him gullible, which Matthew knows is a grown-up way of saying stupid, 
a word that he carries on his back like a hundred-pound weight each time his parents cast it in his direction. So he says nothing, poking at the pulpy hole in his mouth and moping through the day, waiting for death or confirmation of his own stupidity, uncertain which will be easier to endure. Never, ever, or an alarming gap in memory. Charlotte sits on the bottom stair, small legs swinging, as her sister sets the box of crayons beside her, right within reach, all those tempting rainbow points. Ella's face, close in hers, insists, you must never, ever crayon on the walls. Charlotte nods seriously. Never, ever. Afterwards, Charlotte sits on the couch, small legs swinging, as her sister helps their mother scrub the scribbles from the wall. Charlotte was a bad, bad girl, Ella insists, and Mom just sighs and scrubs while Charlotte quietly panics. What has she done? Surely it hadn't been her who scribbled on the wall. Never, ever, never, ever. Years later, Whenever this family anecdote is mentioned, Charlotte simmers in silence, suspecting she was framed. At the very least, she knows she was tempted into it, given the crayons and the idea. She never completely trusts Ella again, but never quite fully trusts herself either. Because of that gap in her memory, filled with nothing but a rainbow of scribbles. Turkey Cutlet Night Everyone else has finished and left the table, gotten on with their lives, but Connor has fallen into the black hole that is Turkey Cutlet Night. He is stuck to his chair until he finishes, or dies, or has to go to bed, whichever comes first. He is alone with the enemy, and no plan of attack. His plate is an ominous map, the potatoes gone, the peas mashed down to a green sludge, and the turkey cutlet, a dominant war zone, covered in breadcrumbs dry as dust, one tiny and gone, though it hadn't felt tiny when it was in Connor's mouth. Then it was an enormous chewy wad, threatening to strangle him and required half a glass of milk to wash it down. He tries to pretend it's some other night. Fish sticks, maybe, or meatloaf. Something easily endured. He tries to pretend he is something else entirely. A robot who doesn't need food, or a goat who will eat anything. He pictures himself shoveling turkey cutlet into his mouth at warp speed. But he is not a goat, and even the thought makes him gag. At long last, Mom comes in and sends Connor to bed, shaking her head at his defeat. He goes, his stomach hollow and his head filled with dreams of a future when he can make his own meals, all of them a delight to his tongue, without a turkey cutlet in sight. Okay, Nick, so you're saying these, these have special perspectives. Uh, let's look at one poem mm -hmm. at a time. 
what's the perspective going on here in a long day waiting? I think the long, so the, 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 I think we capture a lot of this here where there's sort of a lot of anxiety in this. This, this poem has the most anxiety, I would say, in it. And it's, it's kind of going throughout this. He doesn't know, we start in the first paragraph, we go in here, we just have this like, it was great description of uh, Matthew just uh, kind of, his tongue circling the landscape of his mouth. Let's 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 give let's give some credit here for this great imagery, wiggling and wobbling. Such such great description. So, but right at the end, we have his dad talking about tying his tooth to the doorknob. He doesn't know if he's joking, so he has this anxiety about is his dad really going to pull his tooth out with the doorknob? You know this this kind of this thing about that. Yeah, you, you this this sort of idea of like oh yeah, parents joke about these things, but come sometimes kids don't know and they take this yeah. stuff seriously, and that's like an element of childhood is not really necessarily understanding what's serious not or not sometimes um he's got this he's 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 got this whole the the next paragraph he's got this kid at school of course doing kids making up absurd stories about him swallowing a tooth and then it gnawed up his insides so you've got this 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 element of childhood that obviously somebody wasn't a child would be like okay the door thing is not going to happen this this he's not really going to get stretched but once again, we're caught into Matthew's state of mind where he's having all, all this anxiety over these whole things. And then he talks about going, going, going to the hospital and slice him open and capture the tooth before it gnaws up his insides. It's this, um, you know, it's this, it's, it's like, it's funny to some degree because we're like, oh, this is so funny. This kid thinks all this stuff. But if you actually put yourself in the mind of your kid, they're like, oh, this is a little terrifying, actually. <laughs> this is like... And I think that's where it's it's got, it's got those it's got those sort of dual perspectives on it. And then we get into this whole other thing. We get into this other thing where he's if he tells his parents about it, he's got his parents will call him gullible, which Matthew knows is a grown up way of saying stupid. A word that carries on his back like uh, carries carries on his back like a hundred pound weight each time his parents cast it in his direction. So well, you've got this like. This this weight of this of this idea that he doesn't want to be thought of this way and and just like that this is this is something that he fears so much. So you've got all of these sort of these things just coming at this kid as he's Thanks. trying to you know as as he's thinking about this 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 very simple thing this like a tooth which is which is really a, a nothing thing but that's but it but it's not because we're inside his head and yeah. then it's like. Then we end with this, the great ending. So he says nothing, poking at the pulpy hole in his mouth and moping through the day, waiting for death or confirmation of his own stupidity, uncertain which will be easier to endure. (laughs) Just think of what this Matthew is going through in this. It's like, yeah, it's funny, but it's tooth and he's having all this, but he has this, this kid has a lot of anxiety over this. As if people have uh, anxiety dreams of their teeth falling out, you know, adults, what is Matthew going to yeah. have? He's had this experience. My gosh. I mean, this, this <laughs> kid needs, he needs like something. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, um, but you know, it's, 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 it's like relatable because you do sometimes as kids, obviously you get caught up in things that are like not necessarily that rational, <laughs> but it's both things. I mean, that's the thing. It's like also his like, doesn't want to be thought of as stupid at this thing. It's like, he doesn't want to ask questions about this. And that's like, you know, it's like, it's like, I, I feel for him. I feel for Matthew in this first one. So I think, (laughs) 
Yeah, what did you what what, what did you what did you think of that? <laughs> Well, it reminds, it reminds me when we talked about um, Lynette Esposito's poems and we talked about the difference between fantasy and reality and the um, ability to know the difference. And there it was um, kind of dreaming up scary things that will come out of your closet or out of your bed sure. as soon as or from under your bed. As soon as you start having the ability to create fantasy and imagine you also have scary fantasies or imaginations yeah. that start to plague you. So it's interesting here we have... Um, you know, an adult telling a kid, I'm going to help you get your tooth out, just going to tie it to the door handle, and believing it so completely. And also, so getting that from an adult world when it's a joke, and then yeah. also on the other side, getting a, a legend from a kid that the kid does believe. Yeah. So you get it from both sides. You, you get told yeah. terrifying things from your own imagination, from adults, and from another kid. Yeah. yeah. Poor Matthew. Yeah, that's, that is, yeah, poor Matthew. And that's such a that it's such the 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 whole the the whole tooth on the doorknob thing is such interesting that that is something that is at least for at least for my generation I feel like that's what it seemed like that was what everyone told kids was oh that's how we're gonna get your tooth out like that was like either that or pull it out with pliers people would just to say that I mean like, yeah. these kind of horrific to to tell you the truth I actually actually my uh, I think it was my grandfather he really wanted to try that. So he like paid me twenty dollars. He paid me twenty dollars to try to pull my tooth out with pliers, and he couldn't Did get you... it. Oh. He gave me the twenty dollars, but he couldn't get it out. But it hurt. And I'm this sure is like it the hurt. Things, but but then he he wanted to do the door thing, which is a little yeah. weird. This is a little weird. Now I think about it. Yeah. But he like wanted to do the door <laughs> thing, and I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Because he was gonna because he, that's what he initially was like. I'll give you twenty dollars if you let me do the door thing. I was like, no way, I'm not doing that. <laughs> he was like, okay, I really want the twenty dollars, so I'll let you do the plier. So I was like, at least I can kind of picture how that works. Oh. <laughs> Very bizarre. <laughs> I I tried the door thing myself, but I couldn't tie a good enough knot, so I just like put string in oh, my, my tooth and then tied it yeah. to the door too. And I had to keep trying oh. it different ways. No matter when I did it, just wouldn't work. It would just be like a small yank. Yeah, <laughs> just like oh gosh, it's such a, it's a painful, <laughs> it's a painful prospect either way. It's a uh, poor Matthew, poor Matthew. <laughs> uh, that's great. Okay, so so I think in the next one, the next yeah, one is with another. Yeah, it's Charlotte yeah. here, and I think yeah. it's like I mean, so this one I think has the most questions to this whole thing, yeah. and that's what I don't know. I think. I mean, I think there's different theories on this because it's like it's it's like did Charlotte actually do it? Did the more obviously one the one that seems to be even clearer to me is that Ella probably did it and like yeah. did this whole thing on Charlotte. But Charlotte also has this alarming gap of memory about this thing. But like that leaves a lot of questions here. I mean, it's very much and and what and it's what I think is interesting about this one is it that. It's taken, we have this sort of years later thing. We have this later yeah. on point where they're still talking about this whole thing. And Charlotte's still thinking about this thing, even years later after what happened, after clear this, she's still, she's, she's still thinking and, and never, never could trust Ella again. And it's like, <laughs> there's still, there's still something about this that bothers her. And yeah. it's, I mean, it's just like, I think, I think it's a really, it's, it's really interesting because we don't really know the we don't know, uh -huh. you know. We know Charlotte was tempted into doing it, which is interesting because initially, it's, I, I I read it and I was like, oh, while I was reading, it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this this like Ella, Ella is like her sister. Ella is just you know clearly throwing Charlotte under the bus. 
she's like doing this and then saying, oh, not to do this and set the crayons beside her and setting her up. But then you get that whole thing at the end and then you're like, oh, but it's like, well, I don't know. It's like this in, 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 and either way, Ella doesn't come across well. Because either yeah. Ella, for, first off, either Ella put the Ella put the uh, she put the crayons by her and set yeah. her up to do that, or she, you know, or she framed her for these things. So, either way, Ella, Ella's, Ella's a bad kid. <laughs> <laughs> Charlotte is questionable here. We don't know, uh, but <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't trust Ella again either. Ella, Ella's, Ella's definitely not trustworthy at that point. So, but the, the 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 memory gap thing is an mm. interesting. I think that's uh, that's sort of, I, and I think maybe it's because when you're kids, you don't necessarily. I think there's a level of not necessarily, you haven't necessarily learned to trust your memory. Mm. I think at a certain point, at least in, for my case, and I think that's where this sort of thing comes back because it's like, you're you're open to suggestion. So like okay. the idea that Ella is like, oh, Charlotte did this. And Charlotte thinks, did, did I do this? Did I do yeah. this? I, I, I was tempted to do it. There's at least that. So like Charlotte, then, then there's this total question and Char- Char- Charlotte doesn't remember doing it, but like Charlotte may have wanted to do it. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it's, it's, there, it's, it, it's, it's great though. I think, let's see, there's, there's definitely like a little section here that I think is fun to read. Let's see. Oh yeah, they, well, let's just the, the ending. The ending's great. She, she went where she's got. She never completely trusts Ella again, but never quite fully trusts herself either because of that oh. gap in her memory, filled with nothing but a rainbow of scribbles. Mm-hmm. Again, she, she got she did it. It does seem like that's a thing. It's like it's, it's yeah. like did she do it? It is oh. like is this? It it's it's a lot of questions which we're never we're never going to get the answer to. But it's intriguing and so well done, Valerie. I mean, I think it's really like, it's, you know, that's, and we've got, you know, yeah, we've got the, yeah, there's not, so it's interesting. I, I, I get the resentment, like Charlotte obviously resents this issue, but you don't get the same sense of anxiety as you got, as I got for Matthew in the first one, like even in the point where she's getting, where she's getting this. And that also makes me wonder, Hmm. that makes me suspicious of Charlotte too, because it's like, okay. Maybe she knew this was coming. Maybe she secretly inside knew that she was going to get in trouble, but because she knew what she was doing or something. I don't maybe know. she, yeah, maybe but, she did at the time and then she forgot about it. She got too into the scribbles. I maybe, that memory. Yeah, that's a good point. It was, it was just, too, it was just too much fun making those rainbow scribbles all over the walls, everywhere. Scribbles. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What I'm um, so I. Yeah. What were you gonna say? I just, what an interesting friend to have as a kid. One that like makes you question your sanity and one that sets you up either to do, you know, gives, sets the crayons next to you, almost suggesting you to do a bad thing, to draw all over the walls. And maybe also she doing it herself and then insisting that you did it. That is a crazy friend to have. Like that is, oh yeah. Are they friends or sisters? (laughs) Oh, sorry. I think it's, they're either, I was like, maybe was I wrong? Are they sisters? Are friends? I think they, I don't no, know. So you're, you're right. It must be sisters. That makes more I sense. I think they're sisters. Her sister, yep, seems, as her sister helps her which, mother. Which, yeah. It seems like it's the, it, I mean, that is a very conniving thing that a sibling would do too. That's I true. Mean, yeah. I think that fits. That's, that's definitely. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. What, what, Josh, what a sister, not Ella. Yeah. 
But I, I mean, there is those. It is, it is one of those things that it's just like, yeah, how how certain memories from childhood can be profound and can stick with you. And I think that one makes it sort of a good point as this. Yeah, everybody's talking it in all the years after the family anecdote about you know, oh, when Charlotte threw all of the wall, and every time Charlotte gets taken back to this point of being like, did was I do me? that or was I framed? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, so. <laughs> so and lastly turkey turkey cutlet night to me yeah. to me this one to me this one is like this one is the lightest and probably the yeah. most comedic of the three which is which i think makes sense to put at the end i mean it's like it's like a this is a very intense this 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 connor has a very intense relationship with uh his food apparently yeah. i mean and really but it is this. It I mean, it emphasizes. It does. It, it's it's one of these things from childhood because it emphasizes what a struggle it is to sometimes eat food that you don't like and why mm-hmm. that's such a big thing and 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 being at the point of your life where you have to actually eat the food that you don't like. Like that. That's like that. Somebody actually makes you eat this stuff, even though that that's like it's this. It's this. And and then just like sometimes what a a struggle is, which I think. I think Valerie really captures the struggle so well in this and so descriptive. <laughs> Breadcrumbs dry as dust. Oh yeah, it's so and then like yeah, it's the the let's see, the peas mashed down to a green sludge and the turkey cutlet a dominant war zone cover yeah, the covered in breadcrumbs dry as dust. One yeah, it's just like these these this description that just um it just it yeah, it just it just grows on and it gets kind of more and more ridiculous and intense as it goes too. I feel like it's just, and then, you know, he talks about shoveling in at warp speed. He talks about all the ways <laughs> yeah. that he can actually consume this food and how like, and, and just how annoying it is that he has to eat it basically. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. But I mean, I think this is, this is, this is such, it, it's another one that's such a relatable it's uh-huh. such a, uh, a completely relatable part of childhood that you don't really, you don't really experience when you're not in childhood after a certain point and you don't have to, you don't have to eat food. You don't, you don't think of food. It's not that as big of a deal in this, um, poor Connor. He just, he just goes, he just goes on and on with this and you get, and you dig into the imagination here, pretending he's a robot or a goat and all this oh, kind of yeah. stuff. But he's he is not like, a goat. He just not makes a him gag. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, it's it's yeah. It's it's great. I don't know. It's uh, it's a little weird. I, I've always I'm, I'm going to be honest. I've always thought, and I don't know if this is some. I've always thought it's a little weird that parents try to force kids to eat certain things, and then like they send them to bed without food if they don't eat them. I I kind of I kind of feel like it's a little it's a little twisted now that I think about <laughs> it. And even I get that. Mm. Even in this one, I sort of get a little bit of that. It's like come on like do you really like can't you just find something else like why are you trying to force the that the, force this issue because it's clearly mm. like he'll eat meatloaf he'll eat all these other things he's fine with these other things that's just this like one thing so it's like come on like just like make a tuna sandwich or something for him like why send him to bed with that it's it's such it's such it's such it's so bizarre to, the, the parents do this just the fish sticks or meatloaf any of this other stuff is fine which both of those things fish sticks and meatloaf are things that i remember a lot of mm-hmm. uh, kids i know did not like those are meatloaf things that for sure didn't like. yeah 
yeah. meatloaf was always like a, a very contested dinner <laughs> where the turkey cutlet is is pretty like to me i it it's it's pretty benign as a food. Yeah. It's like yeah. So <laughs> why is this such a sticking not, point for the parents? The turkey cutlet. Don't you realize what I, this yeah. symbolizes? <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's very bizarre. But then but yeah, you get this. I mean, the ending is the ending is really just said the last paragraph. I love it so much. At long last, mom comes in and sends Connor to bed, shaking her head at his defeat. He goes, his stomach hollow, and his head filled with dreams of a future when he can make his own meals, all of them a delight to his tongue without a turkey cutlet in sight. <laughs> <laughs> it just it wow. just brings it it just brings it back so nicely because the the uh you know the, the the imagination, you know, looking forward to to this future where yeah, so <laughs> I I think that there's, and and I do think so. Like, I remember distinctly. Like, there's there were definitely. I I remember when I like went off to like college. I think was the first time where I really started making a lot of my meals, and very much like I definitely had like a build up from childhood of a lot of it to me was things that I never got to eat when I was a child, and it was not like, like unusual things. It was not like I wanted to go eat a bunch of candy bars. It was things like mushrooms. I never got to eat mushrooms because my brother never liked them. And so it was this uh-huh. whole thing of I dreamed, I was like, I I was like, I want to just go eat a lot of mushrooms. And it was <laughs> this similar to this thing, like, yeah, I loved and so I like when I went when I got to college, I would just buy mushrooms and I would just eat like I would eat get the entire container and just eat the mushrooms. Because it was I like I just it was, delicious. You know, it's great. They're so good. And <laughs> but there were other things. There were other things that I didn't like as again, I would just like completely I would I would avoid anything that had them. Like I never liked peas when I was younger. I would just so, so oh. anything I would never buy anything that had peas in it. I was just like peas are gone on for me. They're they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're banished from my diet. So but uh so and they're and a, that, a mashed up and yeah that's like yeah what that even even like I I've made peas with pretty much every food even peas but like still that description I think of the mashed peas in the sludge and that yeah. was like kind of a way with those it was it was a way to try to eat those and that's and I I think I think she captured it so well like he tries all of these ways to to get this thing down his throat washing it down and mash you know like doing these other ways of of doing this stuff and that's what that's what you do and i think it's just something about kids taste buds that just don't mesh well with certain things for whatever reason and i don't know it's and it's so much more intense than what i would think so (laughs) yeah you're trying to figure out what what you can control what you can't control too so it's not just what you um don't like the taste of but if you say i don't want to eat that there's a, a yeah. power balance between you and your parents um yeah these three poems really remind me the, especially when we're talking about is it a trio is it not but thinking yeah. about each one is its own character and its own character's problem it reminds me of those edward gory stories where it's like the oh, alphabet yeah. you know those yeah that i agree totally it's totally like yeah it's like abigail it died something uh it, with starting with an a she'd eaten by an alligator or something like that um, yeah this is similar but instead of the kids dying it's like each one has their own um 
quintessential experience from For childhood sure. that kind of, I don't know if we could say it really shapes the person, but it's something that doesn't really, like you said, it doesn't really happen outside of childhood anymore, these yeah. experiences. The similar structure. So if a kid's dying, it's a kid dealing with their own issue that's very particular. Sure. And you can imagine to me. To me, I can imagine these. Uh, and the second one is makes it obvious too. There. But like the, the both the first and the third, you can imagine these as being like things that were probably significant enough that they that these that these kids probably would remember these as adults. They yeah. probably. I bet. I, I bet. I bet Matthew will very much remember. He that will stick with him. The whole thing of the anxiety of the tooth. I think, yeah. and I have no doubt that Connor will remember how much he hated. Like those are things that stick with that. I feel like they're they're relatively insignificant in the long scheme of things, but there's just those memories that are just like, oh yeah, that's I remember, I re I remember that time. You know, those those like handful of childhood memories that like that stay that just that just never go away. Somehow they're they they. Um, you can remember, like you know, there's 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 always a handful that you can remember pretty click crystal clear, and it uh -huh. doesn't matter, you know, of, of, for whatever reason, just because you've probably been over in your head enough times, or there was enough significance, enough anxiety around it, or whatever else that yeah, it's definitely, it's it it unless sticks with you. So unless you're Charlotte and you've been gaslighted, yeah, that's know, the whole other. Thing. I do that. Yeah, yeah there's the. Sure, she was kind of it was kind of gaslighting. Oh gosh, that Ella. Thank you very much, Nick, for coming on. We've just discussed uh three poems by Valerie Hunter, a long day waiting, never ever or an alarming gap in memory with Ella. And of course, Turkey Cutlet Nights. I want to thank Nick very much for coming on today. Awesome, definitely. Yeah, it was great, great fun discussing those. So and well done, Valerie, for uh bringing us back to these childhood memories so vividly <laughs> so, <laughs> very vivid yeah yeah excellent writing valerie yeah it's fantastic you've been listening to the deep overstock fiction podcast if you like literary podcasts check out the poet heroic a poetry podcast and small press publishing house founded by timothy arliss o'brien they are currently in their fourth season and open for submissions. They celebrate writers and uphold the belief that anyone can be a poet.